Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. Check out the Break the Bell podcast, where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. We're a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world, mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast, starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. It's the age of the Hulk party, people! We are diving into one of my all-time classics that I remember reading as just a boy. Is it Charles Dickens? No. Is it all those other people? Mark Twain? No. It is Greg Pax and John Romita Jr.'s World War Hulk. We're going to be diving into this gamma action coming at you every way, six days till Sunday, every way imaginable. But we can't do that without the mighty Hulkin Mark Claire, Mark, you see, I changed up a little bit. I'm trying to get out of the alliteration, trying to get more into the more into the thematic theatrical terms. Mark smash, Mark smash. (laughs) You know, it's funny hearing you describe a, a a story that came out in the mid to late two thousands as a classic. Just, uh, just always gets me going. (laughs) Always makes me feel old. Never really fails on, on that one. Um, but uh, we, this is actually the second time we've uh, looked at the Hulk uh, in episodic format. And, uh, Oof, I, we have. Yeah, I grew up with a yeah. very different Hulk. Uh, I grew up with Peter David's Hulk, as we discussed back in, I want to say, episode four. Don't quote me on that, but that's what's popping Way out Way yonder mind. back. Yeah, and that one we looked at a lot of the key milestones of Peter David's run, which I consider to be the definitive Hulk run, at least uh, as far as my own fanhood goes. But um, I, I mean, I think I know you you did read a lot of that re- Peter David run going back. But would you say that this area era of the Hulk between Planet Hulk, something I'm I also have not read, and this World War Hulk, is this kind of like your definitive Hulk as a fan? Absolutely. Uh, When you look at the last, I want to say, 20 years of the Hulk specifically, even leading up to Planet Hulk, really uh, from Planet Hulk till about, I want to say, 2014, 2015, around the time of Original Sin at Marvel, that is a lot of the time that defined who I saw as the Hulk in, in story form, mainly because, you know, the events of Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, it permeates throughout comics, games, animation, and film. We saw the Planet Hulk story arc kind of played out in Thor Ragnarok. We've seen, um, in in cartoon form, we've seen uh, elements of World War Hulk and Planet Hulk incorporated in Hulk and the Agents of Smash. And then in 2011, 2012, we had the Planet Hulk uh, Marvel anime featurette, which is now actually available on uh, Netflix if you want to watch it. And he's also been put in through uh, through the Avengers game. You've got Hulk, uh, you know, skins that you could download for your character from World War Hulk. Uh, it's in a couple other, I think it was in the Incredible Hulk game from 2009. I mean, really, this was such a 
big moment for the Hulk, it's reached out. So that way, even if you don't know about the story specifically, if you're a Hulk fan and you've been a Hulk fan and paying attention to things for the last decade or so, you have been at some point shown elements of Planet Hulk and my favorite part of it, World War Hulk. Yeah, for me, these are all stories that I I know about but haven't read. You know, I, I know they happened. I know Hulk got shot off into uh, to another planet. I know some shit went down there. And, well, now I know exactly what happened when he came back now that I've read the story. But to me, this has all just been stuff I've, I've heard about through, you know, it's, it's often referenced. Like, I went through and read Civil War. I think in that story, they referenced the fact that they shot the Hulk into space. Um, so this is now what we're seeing as the, because I believe he was in, on that planet, like, kind of during the Civil War. Am I correct on that timeline? Yeah, that, that's why he uh, he wasn't there. And this also explains why some other characters were missing from from Civil War, like the Sentry, for example. The Sentry is a big part of the story. It shows a lot of the post-Civil War elements where it's like, you know, the, the blood is in the water, so to speak. But when shit like this happens, you'll see like the mighty Avengers have to team up with the new Avengers and the Illuminati, which was, um, you know, Professor X, uh, Tony Stark, Reed Richards and uh, Doctor Strange, like they have to come together again. And, you know, one of them is off doing mutant stuff. Then Tony Stark's director of shield and, you know, Reed was on his side, but Dr. Strange is on the run. So now they're forced back to each other or face consequences from something that they did probably like, you know, two, three years ago in the, in the meantime, they've had civil war. So it's almost like an old wound is coming back to, you know, wreak its vengeance at the worst time possible. So this is really one of those middle phase stories where a lot of elements have obviously changed, but it's one of those big classic Marvel ensemble books that you really like that we haven't seen a lot of since. So, you know, what, what I distill this down to is this is uh, this is interesting to storytelling. It's very key to the legacy of the Hulk. It's probably the, what I consider really the last great Hulk story. There have been some good stuff ever since, but this is for me where it kind of peaked. And this is also just some of the best John Romita Jr. work that, um, you know, I've I've really liked. So it's it's a lot of action, as you could probably tell from that. Indeed. Yeah. Well, speaking of action. Well, before we get into the action, do we have any housekeeping notes, housekeeper? Yes. Yes, we do. We have uh, this upcoming Monday. So Monday, the 26th, we have the last recap for the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Caleb Franz and I just put one out you know, at the time of recording Monday. So you can catch up on episodes one through five of the Falcon of the Winter Soldier recaps right now to get you ready for the final episode. And this is for all of our $5 patrons and above. And at the time of, uh, you know, this airing right now, it is Wednesday right now today. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, on release day, as of right now, uh, you can go ahead. And if you're a $15 or higher patron, we've got our journey into mystery call at 8 p.m. Eastern. Standard Time reminding you here again in case you didn't catch it elsewhere. I'll have the link up over on Patreon in the Second Per Comics Fan Zone. And other than that, uh, you know, just uh, just thank you again for supporting us. You make this happen. You make us continue to you know put more time and effort into the additional bonus shows, the website, all the awesomeness that makes the Second Per Comics Nation so amazing, so uncanny, so astonishing. Dare I say, ultimate? Thank you.
And that's all I got. I echo your words. Uh, thank you to everyone who not only supports us on Patreon, of course, uh, they are the ones who quite literally keep the lights on, help us pay for the hosting and everything else that we're doing and the marketing campaigns that we've been doing because we are doing our best to grow this community and grow this show. But just to everyone, if you're listening right now, thank you. You know, If you're listening right now, that means you have either stumbled upon the show or you're a fan of the show and uh, your downloads, your clicks, let us know that you're there listening and just that knowledge is enough to keep us showing up each and every week. Absolutely. So Mark, if, uh, if that's about it, we can go ahead and jump in. I'd say we're ready. Let's do it. Time to smash second print nation. Take me on this journey, Remzo. We go way back to the before times of 2005. <laughs> We've just had secret war. The classic era of Marvel comics in Remzo's world. The, the Gilded Age. Uh, we, we've just had Secret War in which Nick Fury is out of the picture. We've had Civil War in, uh, in which the whole superhuman community in the Marvel Universe is split. We've had Silent War in which the Inhumans are now seen as a giant threat to humanity. Things are pretty bad. Things are pretty tough. But you know who they really suck for? They suck for the Hulk. Previous to the story... Was a was a story arc called was a story arc called Planet Hulk, in which after many years of the Hulk hulking out and trying to be a hero and then being ostracized as a potential villain monster, all this stuff, it's basically it's hard to be green. I think we can agree to that. So Marvel's Illuminati, which consists of Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, Iron Man, and Black Bolt, basically the biggest heavy hitters, the biggest brains in the Marvel Universe. They thought they were smarter than everyone else. So what they wanted to do was they got together and they said, you know, we got to do something about Bruce. He doesn't come to the Avengers office Christmas parties. Sometimes he destroys small country. He gets mad a lot. His wife died recently, Betty. Things just are not going good for this guy. We need to take care of him. So what do they do? No, they can't heal him. They can't cure him. They can't do any of that. They've tried to do that before. What they do is they knock him out one night while he's sleeping, and then they put him in a spaceship and launch him to somewhere far, far, far away. And during that time, they're basically like, listen, Bruce, like, we love you, man, but the Hulk, he, he's not that cool. We, we can't have him around Earth anymore. It's, you're, he's a threat to you, and he's a threat to the rest of us. So we've planned uh, a nice planet that is inhabited by a low intelligent species. You could live out your days in peace. We're sorry. Turns out the the pro the the coordinates are wrong, so they send them to the planet Sakar, which you might remember from Thor Ragnarok. And instead of being a peaceful place of you know Teletubbies and bunnies, it turns out to be a warring gladiator culture run by the Red King. Now the Red King is basically Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator, kind of a dick. So what he ends up doing is he takes the Hulk. Uh, prisoner and he makes him fight other uh, other alien species that he kidnapped so basically the thought of thor ragnarok but less laughs so the hulk with less thor so basically uh the hulk ends up um you know uh meeting up with uh with with this giant silver lady i can't remember her name right now i'm terrible with names for the story i'm sorry i had them written down somewhere and then my app got deleted with all my notes so you know the people are not here for their research they're here for the the witty witty commentary so giant sexy silver lady giant sexy silver lady and hulk basically team up and she's like gssl yeah the uh, the uh the red king is kind of a dick and they're tired of being used as slaves and warriors so what they do with korg and meek and stone priest and a bunch of other awesome alien badass warriors is they basically overthrow the red king they free the planet of sakar and they love the hulk so much that they make him king the green king of sakar and he manages to marry 
giant sexy silver lady so you think everything is going good for the hulk right sounds like a pretty happy-go-lucky story maybe he will find some peace especially since the hulk personality and the bruce banner personality have agreed to combine for the purpose of surviving on this giant distant alien planet so for once everything seems to be going right too bad though it's a comic because what happens next mark (laughs) everything goes wrong Everything goes wrong. And that leads us exactly here. What ends up happening is the ship that that shot the Hulk over that ends up having the force of two or three atomic bombs. Something happens with the wreckage months after all of this other stuff during the planet Hulk saga have gone down and it blows up the entire planet of Sakar, killing not only everybody, but also giant sexy silver lady who is carrying Hulk's child. So that's the part I was unclear on. Was that because in the, in this story, it seemed like that was in, possibly intentional from Tony Stark. Oh, actually, no, they, they do. They do address it later on. We're, we're meant to think it was intentional for Tony Stark in the beginning. I believe. Yeah, correct? you're meant to believe that they were just using it. So that way he wouldn't destroy the ship early enough. So that way they could kill him. In this case, you know, he had he had escaped the ship by the time it crash landed on Sakar, and all this other stuff happened. And then something happened to trigger the wreckage to blow up, blowing up the entire planet. And I mean, I'm I'm reading really the recap from issue one of World War Hulk, where you see a truncated version of events. And I mean, when they blow this up, I'm talking like this is Krypton explosion. Like there's no planet left. Like Hulk basically dead with only a few people who have managed to straggle around with him. But basically, Sakar is gone. I buy Sakar. Yeah. So basically, at this point, the Hulk thinks that Tony Stark has rigged that ex- that ship to explode. So what he does is he gathers his remaining fleet from around the system who's managed to survive, including a few refugees from the planetary explosion, his warbound, to basically go to Earth and take down the Illuminati. So Strange, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, and Black Bull, everyone that he blames for not only sending him away in the first place, but for killing his love and his people now mark do you think that revenge is really you know one of the things that the hulk is known for or was this one of those elements where you're like this is this is a different type of hulk well it it is a different type of hulk because the the hulks that we've seen in the past uh like i I feel like the hulk's revenge in the past was more like spur of the moment it was more like hulk mad hulk angry hulk go after you this is a different kind of thing where he has actually assembled a crew um this is a if this was a trial i I think this is where you would say that this attack on earth is clearly premeditated as opposed to perhaps uh what what do they call something when it's, it's like second degree or third degree uh this is like first degree this is planning uh this is something we haven't typically seen in the hulk's uh kind of attacks in the past they're either some misunderstanding or some villain gets him riled up or he kind of goes off on a hero or a village or a country, a small country uh, because of something that just happened. But I think him actually, you know, coordinating this, bringing a crew with him, uh, going for a very specific purpose. It takes the, the sort of the anger of the Hulk and it's channeling it through the intelligence of the Hulk and Bruce Banner. And you mentioned like, I wasn't really aware of exactly how this version of the 
Hulk came about, uh, that it was kind of the merging of the personalities, which we also saw in in Peter David's Hulk when he merged the personalities to create uh, kind of the Professor Hulk version. But this this is more like this kind of seems like Professor Hulk with an edge, I, I guess would be the best way to put it. it it's all it's it's the control and the intelligence of Bruce Banner, the strength of the Hulk, uh, but with um, a little more of a, a little more warrior angry vibe about him, I guess, which which really um, kind of you know calls to his time on Sakaar in that sort of gladiator that gladiator mold. So this is kind of like Professor Hulk on steroids, if that's if that's even possible. That's the way I'm taking it. It's a step above Professor Hulk, but a step below Maestro. Right. Well, everything's a step below Maestro. Everything is. So this Hulk is a badass, and you don't want to mess around. Indeed. Speaking of which, who's he gonna mess around with first? Well, he takes his Warbound and his crew from the wreckage and. Um, you know, pieces floating around in space of Sakar, and they go to the blue side of the moon. Who lives on the blue side of the moon? Pink Floyd. Not really the Inhumans. <laughs> See and- <laughs> you on the blue side of the moon. And as uh, as Hulk lands, he is greeted by the unhappy couple of Black Bolt and Medusa. And they go over there and they're just like, Hulk, what are you doing? What's that get up? He's got giant metal sleeve. He's wearing a gladiator man skirt. He's got tiara. He looks kind of silly for a Hulk, but it's kind of intimidating at the same time because he's got a giant sword with him, too. So he goes over and he's basically like, Black Bolt, you shot me into space. You killed my world. I'm never going to let you do this again. So Black Bolt, for those of you that don't know much about Black Bolt, he has the power to basically put out these sonic blasts through his vocal cords that are the equivalent when at full strength to an atomic bomb that's why he doesn't talk so his wife medusa queen of the inhumans is the one that does all the translating so when he says something he says it with the intention knowing that he's gonna cause some damage and at this point prior to this there was the silent war which is a four-part miniseries in which basically the inhumans were kind of framed and also kind of not sort of framed for massacring a bunch of humans during a a surprise attack on earth because they were afraid that the Avengers and everyone else were going to eventually go invade the inhumans. It was a giant bloody mess, not worth talking about, but it's worth knowing for context. The inhumans and earth are not on the best of terms right now. So for the Hulk to come, it's not like black bolt's going to call the fantastic four or anyone for backup. He's going to take care of this himself. So he looks at the Hulk and he whispers enough and he puts out this giant blast. And what I love about John Romita Jr. Mark is that he really exaggerates everything like this is that he just loves. He's like the Quentin Tarantino or Michael Bay of comics. He just loves to be giant, bloody, loud and in your face. And as you could see, the Hulk is really struggling dealing with Black Bolt's uh, blast. But he grabs his hand. And even though he's been dragged real far back, he goes ahead and makes sure that Black Black Bolt knows, hey, I'm coming. So Black Bolt turns around for a second thinking, ah, like he's down. But as he turns quickly around, he just lunges at him. You see his giant full sp- full page spread. This is probably one of the scariest Hulk images because he's got blood coming out of his nose. And he's just like, I'm coming right for you. And that's the last we see of Black Bolt right now. Yeah, I love that splash play page where Hulk is coming after Black Bolt because it's just it's just so well done because uh you know for longtime fans of Marvel like Black Bolt doesn't talk 
for a reason because his speech is so freaking powerful. Like like him screaming would be like a thousand, uh, you know, a, sa- a thousand Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So just him, but even just his whisper is like powerful enough to just pretty much destroy anybody. So when he says enough here and, and you see that blast coming out, uh, they really do a good job of showing you the effect of it, showing Hulk just get blown away. And, you know, Black Bolt and Medusa, they start to walk off like, oh, we got this thing. All right. We we did the whole little we use like two percent of my my screaming ability and just destroyed the Hulk. So we're done. And then nope. And that, that just goes to show that this is a different kind of Hulk. It's a different level of, of power of the Hulk. And I, I believe that even in the current continuity, this is considered the strongest version of the Hulk. Yes, he's the world breaker Hulk, as some would say. So uh, we, we end up switching back to Earth. The Air Force is detecting something coming into our atmosphere. When they detect that, they know, oh, it's probably aliens or something based off the Marvel Universe's track record. It it worries them so much that they end up calling Tony Stark, a uh, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., who has just come out of a meeting at Congress. And what's funny is in the little panel where the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are kind of blocking him off from people, you've got people bringing up, Director Stark, any rumors about that fight with She-Hulk? And then someone else is like, political disagreement or lover's spats? And uh, it's funny because for context, uh, She-Hulk and Tony Stark had a one-night stand, and a few days later during Civil War, they got into a massive public fight, and a few days after that they were basically co-workers again so this Awkward. is alluding to that oh yeah was the one night stand as she-hulk or as jennifer walters of course it was a she-hulk interesting all right if you if you if you got if you're gonna go down that route <laughs> i mean you, you go I guess, green i guess if you're gonna say you, you slept with she-hulk you, you gotta you gotta sleep with she-hulk <laughs> you go once you go green you never go back who would blame him oh boy but anyway, he's Tony been alerted. Been getting his hands dirty for a long time in Marvel continuity. Oh, his recent one was uh, Gamora. <laughs> yeah, I guess he, he digs. The- he's got he's got green fever. He's got the green fever. <laughs> the very um, fever. Uh, anyway, Tony Stark has been alerted, so he contacts the president, who I think looks like George Bush from the background, and he's just like, "Hey, man, I'll just do the George Bush voice. Hey, you know what? I I, I know it's already here. It's too late." Sorry, it's gone nuclear. And uh, then we go. He's green. He's angry. I can't. I, I, I can't do this. Saddam was enough. <laughs> I can't take down the Hulk. The Hulk is a walking weapon of mass destruction. It's all it's all you, man. It's all you. I believe in you. Come on. We're Tony. not here for the impressions, folks. That's don't that's call me sure. till mission accomplished. Uh, we, we go to Times Square and we see a bunch of earthlings in New York basically freaking out. They see a giant stone ship, one of the Sakarian warships pop up out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden you see a giant projection of the Hulk. We see that this projection is as tall as the si- as the skyscrapers. And he says, beauty humans, I've come to smash and you should know who's to blame. You call them here. Heroes. I call them monsters. And he shows a photo of the Illuminati the, from the image of the video that was played to him when he was sent off. And he says, I've what always. Say, what did they say in the video? Are they just like, so, uh, hey, Hulk, we uh, we shot you into space. So, uh, sorry. See ya. That was basically it. That was basically it. It was it, it was supposed to be genuine. But at the same time, it's like they're trying to remind them that they're friends. But like friends don't shoot friends into space. No, they don't. That's yeah. not what friends do. 
Oh, but he, he's about to go ahead and uh, mention it. Listen to what they told me before they tried to kill me. I've always thought, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's Reed Richards speaking on behalf of the Illuminati. I've always thought of us as friends, Bruce, so I am genuinely sorry. But for the sake, but for your sake and ours, we're sending you away. It's the only way we can be sure. So then it, he stops the clip, you know, selective editing, folks. And the Hulk continues, Iron Man, Mr. Fantastic, Doctor Strange, and Black Bolt. They shot me into space, sent me to a planet called Sakaar, where I couldn't be cut, where, where I could be, where I could be cut, even killed, where the Emperor made me a slave and then a gladiator. They sent me to die, but I survived with my war bound. And then this is where we get to meet his crew. Korg, the rock person, you know. Hello, Hi, that's I'm Korg. Me, Korg. So think of Taiko Watiti the entire time as Korg speaks. Yeah, I, I can't hear him any other way I to, since I've seen the movie. We've got Meek, who just says Meek. Meek. Uh, we've got Elo who's one of the the red people we've got i think they're just called the red people yeah we'll call them the red people seems a little racist but okay we've got brood who is literally just a brood (laughs) and then we got uh uh hiram who's a stone who's a who's a stone priest they're one they're like the priest class of sakar and he continues he's like we made a home i was the green king and saira strong sexy tall silver lady uh was my queen then your heroes sent a bomb and killed a million people and now this city will fall and basically he's just like i'm gonna i'm gonna screw you up and to really drive the point home he pulls up black bolt who is bleeding out of every part of his face his eyes his nose his mouth and he's like i'm gonna do this to all of you and then he's like i'm gonna do it to your whole stinking planet so this is a hulk who has literally come to smash the world yeah, Black Ball's not looking too good here. Yeah. Meanwhile, Iron Man uh, jets out of D.C. and he's trying to meet up with everyone. So what he tries to do is he tries to go to uh, the satellites to try and take out um, the the Hulks tapping into the, the, the planet satellite array. And what they need to do is they try and disable his suit. So they shoot out a quick uh, EMP blast that prevents him from taking it out and meanwhile as he's trying to figure out how the hulk's ship was able to do that uh the astral projection of dr strange comes up and he's like listen tony by the way hi been a while since civil war right only like a week um the hulk he's never been angrier he's never been stronger so he can tear apart someone else's world and come back even stronger uh understand that this is a pretty bad situation so you know at this point uh you know he Iron Man knows that he's going to need everyone to deal with the Hulk. So he goes ahead and says, I'll do more uh, than, you know, provide 24 hours of amnesty for all unregistered heroes who want to help. I'll go ahead and give full pardons when they turn themselves in when this is all over. So this is still Tony Stark, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., a.k.a. kind of a dick, Tony. Kind of a dick. I think that's, kind a, of a, I dick. Think that's a nice way to put it. That was a, a generous way to put it. Yeah. So basically, uh, he's trying to go ahead and make a deal with Dr. Strange, who is part of the new Avengers, Luke Cage's team with all the underground heroes. So now we get back down to Earth. We see Spider-Man trying to corral people in the safety zones with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, We see She-Hulk jump down and she's there getting ready to go ahead and, uh, you know, face the Hulk if necessary. 
And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get as many people off the island as possible because Manhattan's going to go ahead and be ground zero. So as they're doing that, Iron Man gets into his Hulk-busting armor that you probably saw a really good look of in uh, Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. And at this point, uh, he comes down, and he's in front of a whole bunch of heroes. We see the Luke Cage, Captain Marvel, Wonder Man, Spider-Man, She-Hulk, and Doc Sampson, because you got to bring back the, the the good guys from the Hulk oldies, right? And he's basically like, well, okay, guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go ahead and take him out. And before he can finish the sentence, Spider-Man is like, man, like, listen, we bet you could probably do this, but wouldn't this be a job for the century? And for, for people that don't notice what's really going on, like the century's been absent for a while. He was kind of there in the new Avengers comics and everything else. Thank you. just kind of disappeared during all these big events. So Iron Man looks at Spider-Man. He's like, he'll be here when the time is right. And Spider-Man responds, dude, is Galactus back in town? Because otherwise, and as he's about to finish that sentence, um, you know, his spider sense goes off. And at this point he sees the giant stone ship beginning to descend down and they see the Hulk in the hangar. And what does he immediately do? He just jumps into it. So the Hulk jumps down. Iron Man is shooting up. And this is when the first big fight happens. Well, one thing we kind of glossed over that I want to address a little bit, because I was I didn't understand the history of this, but there was also a scene where they actually go to visit the century and they they talk to him about, you know, we're going to need you. You're the only one that can you're like, you've been a friend to Bruce Banner. Do you know what the history of the century and the Hulk was? Because I knew nothing about their relationship prior to this. So we haven't gotten there yet, but I'll just go ahead and say it now so we can just kind of jump through things when we it got gets there. there. In my version. Maybe we have different versions. What? Yeah, I'm reading from the graphic novel. Oh, maybe they flip things around. I'm reading from World War Hulk oh, issue one through oh, four. Oh, I missed. Uh, I missed. I missed a page. I missed a page. Sticky pages. Sorry, folks. Uh, so those, anyway, I don't want to know why you have sticky pages in World War Hulk. The sticky pages. But. You know, She Hulk. Nah, it was more of a glass of water when I was sixteen. Anyway, uh, going back earlier. When the Hulk sent out the message and he was holding up Bloody Black Bolt, uh, what, what they tried to do is they went to the Sentry's house in Vermont. And basically the reason why the Sentry has been avoiding getting involved in this stuff and basically, you know, keeping himself away from the world is because he's got a dark side called the void. The void is what takes over the century and basically becomes a giant threat to the earth. So because of a lot of stuff that had been happening in the new Avengers comics, the century was afraid of losing control. So now that he's been told, listen, the whole world is at stake. This is a big freaking deal. He basically agrees to come but as he's about to come out his door, this little thing comes in to his mind basically saying once you leave and once you tap into the void because you'll have to do it to defeat the Hulk, you won't be coming back. So basically he he's afraid that he will become a bigger threat to humanity than the Hulk is now. And in terms of him and the Hulk being friends, there's this whole thing in new Avengers volume two, where basically the Sentry has always been part of the Marvel universe. But at one point the void erased everyone's mind and then, damaged oh boy, the century's psyche so that way he w- he was basically deemed as a crazy person and now no one remembers him so in this secret version of the marvel history that everyone got their minds wiped of uh the century was basically like their superman he was friends with everyone and did all the things so okay so because century is a character that i think was introduced in what like the early 2000s is he, is he like a, around this era hero 
He was. He was. He first appeared, I think, in New Avengers issue one in two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay, and supposedly, just just to go over this one more time, he was supposedly around the whole time, but. Every hero, including the readers, uh, it was all of our minds were wiped about his existence until this point where he, quote unquote, debuted. Is that? Yeah, you know, it doesn't sound as cool when you say it out loud. (laughs) Is this kind of like a reverse or maybe not reverse, maybe the same thing of like how Mephisto wiped out everyone's memory of Spider-Man and Mary Jane being married? Literally, it's it's almost exactly like that, except a little bit dumber. I could deal with things like that better in like a in a. Uh, a comic that was like, you know, if that happened in, say, Invincible, where everything is in the Invincible universe, I could deal with it. But when stuff like that happens in the Marvel universe, it drives me nuts because then it's like, so there's like fifth, like all these hundreds of issues of history. And I guess we're supposed to imagine the century was involved in a lot of these big events, but we just didn't know because uh, his existence was mind wiped out of there. Same thing with everything with Mary Jane and, and Peter Parker. It's like all these different events that they were a part of where I guess people didn't necessarily know they were married in real life. Cause we, you have to know Peter Parker's identity for that to work. Um, ah, I'm going to stop. My brain hurts. Let's just move on with the story. <laughs> it was literally like that. Fun fact. In Century, The Fallen, which is an epilogue for um, uh, Siege. Actually, no, it was called Siege, The Fallen. So after the Siege event in the in the mid 2000s, they reveal that the Century was the only person who can touch Rogue and not be affected and that the Century was the one who took Rogue's virginity. I was going to say that's a hell of a pickup line. Like, hey, I'm the I'm literally the only one that can touch you and not die. So how about you choose me? They felt it was important to uh, to include that and then never talk about it again. <laughs> but I remember Pepperidge Farms and Remzo both remember. And Rogue, she probably remembers. Oh, Rogue remembers. Rogue remembers. All right. Uh, so anyway, we're back to the fight. Hulk jumps down. Iron Man launches up. Another giant, awesome Ramita splash page. We see the impact of Titans fighting. We see windows shaking, other heroes cowering in fear from the impact, helicopters falling out of the sky. And what ends up happening, basically, as Iron Man is giving this giant speech about how he's going to do his job and protect everyone no matter what it takes, he basically gets his ass kicked. What he does is he gets a bunch of uh, jets to go ahead and shoot missiles at the Hulk that just makes him angrier because it gives him a little PTSD of when, you know, the last time Iron Man caused a giant explosion around him to happen, which was the blowing up of Sakaar. So as if he wasn't already madder than all hell, he becomes super mad here and he jumps out of this crater from the explosion. And he's like, you, you killed her. And how does Iron Man respond? He responds, oh, hell. And I, it looks like here, because we. Get, I love these splash pages. The art, if you love John Romero Jr. action, this is all of it. The Hulk literally punches through Iron Man's armor. Not enough to kill him, but enough to basically disable the whole thing. He takes him through Avengers Tower and literally destroys Avengers Tower. He brings the whole MFR down. It is Big to destroy that building as well as the Sentry's emblem, which is installed to the top of uh, Avengers Tower. That is a big freaking deal. And you see all the other heroes just standing there silently watching as the whole thing comes crumbling Did down. This scene reminds you a little too much of a real life event. Did for me. I'm uh, talking specifically of the, the, the image yeah. of the tower crumbling vertically downward. 
Yeah. It was, I, I didn't want to think of it because. Yeah, it's hard not to, you know? Yeah, I mean. Especially if you're someone like me. Man, this did only, this did only come out like a few years later. I think at the time I really noticed it. Now I was just really trying to block it out. Yeah, just like they did this, how they took it out of the, uh, the Spider-Man <laughs> movie, right? <laughs> no, I mean, as, as someone who saw that, yeah. we were talking about 9-11, by the way, folks. For that was not a funny again. laugh. That was an uncomfortable no, laugh. None of this is a funny laugh. But yeah, I mean, it's that that I mean, as someone who saw that live on television like that, really, this image was really like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It really just gave, not like I have PTSD literally from it. I don't want to you know hinder those who actually have PTSD, but it did. It, it's hard not to think about it. This visual specifically, like really, really did conjure that image. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was intentional necessarily, but just it added to the gravity for me of of watching the superheroes just stand there like powerless, you know, like like kind of like not, not to compare this whole thing to 9-11, but I mean, kind of like when and here we go comparing it to 9-11. But, you know, like there's just a there's a certain powerlessness to just seeing a humongous structure like that just come straight down. And you can see here, like the heroes aren't moving. Wonder Man, um, Captain Marvel, Doc Samson, Luke Cage, they're just standing there mesmerized because there's there's nothing they can do. And, and that's basically where it leaves off because Iron Man is basically out of commission. We don't know if he's dead or not, but the Hulk comes down and he's just completely growling, screaming at them because they're next. And that ends issue one uh any thoughts so far this puppy starts off with a bang i'll tell you that and i, I love the i should mention the splash page that this ends with of the hulk uh, emerging from the rubble here and you just see like iron man's arm like he's he's out of commission but hulk world breaker hulk ah he's ready to go bring it and, and go he does we go back to new york city uh at dr strange's sanctum sectorum which is the current headquarters for for luke cage's avengers the new avengers and uh they're trying to figure out what's going on iron fist and uh echo and ronan aka clinton barton are all kind of standing by because how can they get involved in this at this point he's basically saying listen man like we've already got half our people out there we don't know if they're alive i mean new i mean avengers tower just freaking got brought down bro strange you gotta kill this guy and dr strange is like what and lose what's remaining of my soul so he's just thinking at this point, I, I got to come up with something and I, I don't know where this is going to lead, but like I, I've got to find a way to bring him down at some point. I have to search for a hero. There can only be one who can defeat and redeem the Hulk in the same instant. But my spell will only work if he lets me in. So we're trying to figure out, like, who is he talking about? Who is this hero? Is it the sentry? Is it someone else? Who knows? And he knows that it's not going to be him because, as he puts it, the Hulk hates us so much. So now we're back to Avengers. Can you blame him? No. I mean, he killed they, they killed giant sexy silver lady and all his new Sakarian friends and blew up the planet. I'd be kind of mad, too. Yeah, I mean, they really are. I mean, it's, it's shades of gray in this story, but... Uh, they really are the villains here. These these Illuminati, uh, the, at least these four members. I know, like in later iterations of the Illuminati in the Hickman Avengers era, it also includes some other g- heroes, like it includes Captain America, Professor X. Uh, but I think that was th- those guys came on. I think after this event. So, but but these four specifically, and then they seem to all know it too. I mean, Doctor Strange seems to be the most contrite about the whole thing. He's like, man, I totally fucked up. I should not have done this. Uh, whereas Tony is kind of just sticking to his guns. He's still like, ah, we did what we had to do. So here it is. I guess we got to battle the Hulk now. Yeah. And at this point, 
I mean, the, the Hulk is just taking down Iron Man. We're back to the ground zero of Avengers Tower. We see his, his armor is just all over the place. He's about to attack him. And right before he does, the warbound of Sakaar jump down. They introduce themselves. Hiram the Shamed, he's a stone priest. Uh, Korg the Cronin, Elo Kaifi, Meek the Unhived, no name of the brood. And they're all like, listen, heroes, we're going to give you one opportunity. Join the Green King and be bound to the war. Or bound or die. At this point, we see another one of Tony Stark's mighty Avengers jump out, Ares, and he's like, to hell with that. Avengers attack. And before he can finish that sentence, someone grabs his axe. And who do we see? It's She-Hulk. And she's like, listen, you gotta, you gotta let me reason with him. So I'm gonna go out and talk to my cousin. And she walks over and she's like, Bruce, if Tony and the others were involved, let's figure this out. We'll put them on trial. You know me. I'll stand by you to the end. But we have to do this right. And at this point, uh, Hulk is just like, no, stop talking, start fighting. And, you know, there's nothing else that can be done. So what we see is a giant fight between She-Hulk and Hulk. And the thing is, like when they have fought in the past, the Hulk is always held back. He's not holding freaking back. He grabs her by the face and drives her into the freaking ground. Like this is a brutality that you could expect towards other people, but not Jen, not she Hulk, his own family. She may as well be an insect or anyone else here. I mean, yeah, he has no, uh, he is not distinguishing her. He, but, but it's, it's scarier too. Cause it's not like, it's not like Hulk smash. I'm destroying everyone. He knows who she is and he's constant. He's consciously deciding he's going to crush her just like he would crush anyone else. And so much so when she gets a chance to look up at him, she says, God help us. Because if he's doing this to me, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be anyone else. And for the next couple pages, we just see the Hulk and his warbound fighting uh, all the different Avengers teams and everyone else. We're over at Avengers Tower. I'm sorry, at at a fantastic at the Fantastic Four headquarters, and they're working on one of Reed's big machines that he think will be able to go ahead and take him out. Uh, you know, we've got Storm and Black Panther who are working with the Fantastic Four at the time, also helping him. And uh, as they're just looking down, they're just like, man. Look what you've done, Reed. This is screwed up. And now Hulk smashed the Avengers. You'll need every one of us to help stop him. And Reed is trying to figure it out. Like, he wants help, but he doesn't want help. He's got this giant machine, but he doesn't really have it. He's just got to kill time and figure out what he really wants to do. Because this is Reed fearful. He is afraid. He even thinks that he's going to die. And Sue is actually pretty convinced that the Hulk is going to go through with killing him. Yeah. As I mean, when you combine uh, this level of completely justified anger towards these guys uh, with the fact that he this is like a highly intelligent, highly focused version of the Hulk uh, combined with a higher level of anger than we've ever seen before. Yeah, I think they have good reason to be eh, somewhat concerned. Yeah. And at this point, things just end up much worse. Hulk, Black Panther, the thing and uh, the human torch go out to fight Hulk in the warbound. Uh, you know, the thing he's made quick do. He's just basically out of the fight at this point, because what the what the human torch does is he puts down like a giant burst of fire so big you could basically see it from all over the city uh, it ends up destroying a building across the street from the Fantastic Four headquarters. And what's it do to the Hulk? Absolutely nothing. He's just grabbed Johnny. He's just dragging him out like roadkill. 
Yeah, I believe this is, uh, at least when I was a fan of the Fantastic Four uh, in the 90s, uh, they don't say it here, but I believe this is Johnny going supernova. This is a move that he would only pull out when he absolutely had to uh, because it would drain him of a lot of power and cause massive destruction. And it uh, doesn't seem to cause much of a problem for Edward Hulk at all here. Again, uh, he just kind of like sees the, the light of the supernova and, and just kind of grabs Johnny and that's it. Yeah, and, and to make matters worse, the Thing, who thinks Johnny is dead at this point, he really tries to get into the fight. We think we're going to get another epic Hulk-Thing fight, but it doesn't really work out. In just a couple of panels after a giant uh, you know, punch or two are thrown, the Hulk gets both his fists and slams both of them on the side of Ben's head. And you see little chunks of rock coming off of him, and everyone else, including the Warbound, are just staring, shocked. And what has happened? He's just down. He's just like, man, I don't know what's about to happen. But luckily, right before the Hulk is about to throw the killing blow, he thinks the sentry has arrived. Oh, we see the light. Yeah, but it's not. The light ends up being Reed Richards, who's wearing some type of giant contraption that's supposed to uh, mess with the gamma radiation in Banner's body. So it's going to fluctuate it and basically... Um, you know, hopefully to power him or at least knock him out or something. It, it, he doesn't really have an idea of what it's going to do. So he starts fighting and then Sue jumps in and Sue's trying to stop him. She's like, Bruce, stop, stop. And, 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 you know, Hulk is like, if I set off a bomb, killed your husband, your children, your whole world, would you ever stop? And she's just like, you don't have to do this. I know you're Bruce. You're not a monster. And right when that happens, he basically I don't think he can break Mr. Fantastic. But long story short, he basically manages to break Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> he's not dead, as, but he's down. He's as as twisted up. I mean, there's a, the one panel where his face is just like flat. <laughs> like, yeah, like he's not dead, but he's as as defeated as Mr. Fantastic can be. This is his worst beating yet, and it, it's so bad, especially with the fact that they're televising it. And who's watching it sitting at home? The Sentry in full blue cape and costume, just staring at the freaking TV as all his friends are actually getting their sh their shit kicked in. Uh, we get back to the Hulk and his war bounds. They have taken a bunch of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four hostage. They're dragging them into, I think it's Yankee Stadium or something. And who jumps in? The merry man himself. We see Rick Jones. He jumps out. He's like, hey, Hulk, remember me? And yeah, Meek comes in. He's like, Rick Jones. Remember from me in the future, I'm I'm paralyzed and old as fuck. And then, oh, you don't. Nah, never mind. Yeah. Future imperfect reference. Yeah. Meek jumps in. And he's like, Rick Jones, you know who we know who you are. Saw you in our robots files. Who sent you? And he's like, nobody sent me. So Meek is like, liar, you call yourself Hulk's friend, but you left him, remember? To puny humans who sent you, Captain America. And Rick Jones looks up and he's like, Cap's dead. And the Hulk actually is speechless. He doesn't know what to say. This comes after, you know, as we mentioned before, after Civil War, Captain America's dead at this point. So, I mean, Hulk, Hulk is starting to realize he's missed quite a lot. And uh, does he really that's probably care? The one, that's probably really. the one. Well, it, more so than he cares about anything else that's happened. <laughs> he at least makes that dot, dot, dot non sound that shows he's he's thinking about it. Yeah, and that's the way I took it anyway. But but thinking of thinking, thinking of thinking, uh, we see that Dr. Strange sitting in the Sanctum Sanctorum 
puts out a longevity attack, which is attack uh, from outside of his immediate space. And he tries to basically give the Hulk an aneurysm or something. Well, it doesn't really work. And the Hulk knows that it's strange as magic. So he bounds in a couple of jumps across New York over to Greenwich Village to try and find uh, Doctor Strange. In the meantime, he's uh, he's run into a version of the champions. We've got uh, Namorita, Hercules, uh, Amadeus Cho and Archangel. They're kind of like in the in the background here, but you can tell it's them. They fight and it doesn't work out for them. Then a bunch of the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are looking around and they're like, man, what, what's going to happen? And they're like, what the hell are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. And, and in case they wanted to make things better, they don't. Because who do they come? Who do they call in? They call in Thunderbolt Ross himself with the army of Apache helicopters. And he's I like those splash page. He's like, yeah. he's like, bitches, I've been waiting for you to call me. <laughs> And uh, that ends issue two. Thoughts so far? <laughs> it's just action packed, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really enjoying it because this is again, this is just as someone who's been a lifelong Hulk fan, this is a decidedly different version of the Hulk than we've ever seen before. And uh, I, I've always loved that the Hulk is an evolutionary character. Uh, you're always kind of getting different iterations of the Hulk, and as you go on in the storyline, this is consistent from the very beginning of the character in the '60s right through to what's going on in Immortal Hulk today. This character is always evolving, and everything I think more so than almost any Marvel Marvel character, everything that happens in the in the Hulk's life, uh, in the life of Bruce Banner, ends up shaping the version of the Hulk that we get in the present day. And that's why the Hulk is always evolving, uh, always changing. He's always got different personalities forming in his mind, merging in his mind, and those different personalities, uh, they uh, they display themselves via different physical versions of the Hulk. And uh, to me, this is like the scariest version of the Hulk uh, because it's it's both the smartest version and the strongest version at the same time. And that is uh, usually those versions are not always in the same body. Even Professor Hulk, uh, which is like the strength of the Hulk with Bruce Banner's intelligence. That's not the strongest version of the Hulk. Uh, but this appears to be both the strongest and, and I believe it is recognized as such in continuity, the strongest and most intelligent version of the Hulk at once in the same body. And that's scary, especially when he's on a mission, uh, a mission to destroy all these heroes that have seemingly, for right or wrong, uh, it's really those four, the Illuminati, that did this to him. But as far as the Hulk is concerned, it's the entire planet that did this to him because they all back the Avengers. They all back these heroes. And um, that and that's who he's here to take his vengeance on, ultimately. He's a victim of institutional and systemic, systematic anti-Hulkness. <laughs> he um, is. We're back on onto the story. We we start with the next issue. And long story short, Thunderbolt Ross is he's getting his unit ready to go and basically try and take out the Hulk. He's he's basically given this monologue. I, I like this memo. Do you have the memo in the graphic novel version? That starts issue three. Yeah, you want to go ahead and read this one? Yeah, sure. It's like a it's like a presidential memo uh, to General Ross. The subject is World War Hulk, and it says General Ross. I'll make this quick. It has the confidential label over it too. In, di in direct response to the imminent threat brought upon by the Hulk and his alien soldiers, I hereby exercise the power given to this office in Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution of the United States and consign all control of this country's military armed forces to General Thaddeus Ross to be used against the immediate threat to national security. So, uh, again, the last line. Give him hell, General. Uh, and then it has a list, actually, of like all these heroes. 
and they're all crossed off and like it's weird they have this printed out memo and then handwritten like handwritten uh, names of the heroes underneath but they basically crossed off like all these heroes that have been taken down by the Hulk, uh, Black Bolt's cross-off, Spider-Man, Miss Marvel, Iron Man, Storm, yada, yada, yada. The only ones on this list that are not cross-off are Doctor Strange, The Century, Iron Fist, Ronin, and I don't even know who the hell Echo is. Ramzo, what can you tell me about Echo? Echo <laughs> is the Kingpin's adopted daughter. She is deaf, but she has other heightened ninja abilities because if you're going to have something wrong with you, you might as well be able to kick ass. She's been a fling of Daredevil and is currently a fling of Clint Barton, a.k.a. Ronan, and a member of the New Avengers. And for current Marvel Comics readers, the newest incarnation of the Phoenix. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot. Think you could chew all that? A lot of echo. Did Hickman do this another Phoenix version for us? No, but it was another shitty writer for a series I'm not reading anymore. I, I call anything that happens in any X title, I hold Jonathan Hickman responsible for putting us on this course. Oh, so this was an this was an Avengers title where they did that. That's the real shame. Oh, okay. So I can't blame this on Jonathan. Marvel Hickman, can't write good Avengers comics anymore. So what they have to do is they have to take old X-Men stories and repurpose them. <laughs> It's it's a crying shame. Ironically enough, the the last Avengers run that I enjoyed, as complicated as it was, and it was overly complicated, uh, I I did really enjoy when I read it because I read it all in one sitting. I think it's like two years worth of both Avengers and New Avengers by Jonathan Hickman that leads up to Secret War. I I did enjoy. It. That's the last time I actually had like a run of Avengers. I got into that run when I kind of got back into uh, comics in the uh, the mid. 2010s, I guess you could say, early to mid 2010s, and yeah, I read almost that entire run leading up to Secret War, and you know, it, it maybe on on a, on another look, I would probably have a lot more criticisms of it, but I can say I I remember enjoying it. That's about all I can say about it. Not everyone's cup of tea, Mark, but somebody's. Exactly. You know, it, it's 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 uh you know me and Jonathan Hickman, as we know, I can't quit him. I just don't know how to quit you, Ellis. Uh, we're, we're back to the issue. And what, what I like about this is that uh, Ross actually gives like this monologue as he's preparing his unit. So he's basically going through his history with the Hulk. He's like, you know, he was an Avenger. Then he wasn't. Then he was, you know, possessed by demons. Then he wasn't. Then he was split by Doc Samson and different personalities. And he wasn't. And then he was like, oh, well, he's going to leave us all alone. Then he wasn't. And each time the Hulk gets a second chance, either him or somebody else ruins it. And then what really kind of was the end for Ross was when Betty died of gamma radiation poisoning. So he's just like, you know what? I've freaking had it with Banner. And now the Hulk's come back from a vacation in space with an army of aliens demanding the evacuation of Manhattan and, ki- and threatening to kill the biggest uh, superheroes on the planets. The same cl- costume clowns who built that stupid statue for him that he ended up tearing down at Avengers Mansion. They're not heroes. He's not a hero. And someone's got to stop him. And I'm going to stop him. So what do you think of that right there? Because what it really shows is that this is, while this is a self-contained story, this is Ross with a lot of hatred going towards this. And he does this with full knowledge of, I'm not just saying I want to kill him because I have to be the antagonist in this issue. I want Banner dead. This all goes back to General Ross's issues over uh, Bruce Banner getting with his daughter. That's, That's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. 
He's a papa who didn't approve of his daughter's relationship with what turned out to be a, a giant shape-shifting monster beast green guy. And he's still holding that grudge to this day. So I guess he's the man for the job. You know, if if all these heroes can't do it, uh, maybe you bring in the guy that's had the grudge for the, for this whole time, whose entire military career essentially seems to have been based around uh, destroying, containing, capturing, or what have you with the Hulk. So he seems like, you know, if you're going to call upon someone to do this thing, it may as well be General Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. And everyone knows that Ross and all his military might can't take down the Hulk. So they start shooting him, blasting him, firing missiles, all types of hellfire. But that's not enough. So this does give Doctor Strange, however, time to finally throw another spell at him. What he does is he traps the Hulk in his own mind. So what happens is Strange within the Hulk's mind is in astral state. So he's not physically there. So it's funny because he's trying to punch Strange, which does nothing. At the same time, you also see him while... While he is trapped in his mind, his body is doing the exact same things in the dream state. So he's still, ironically, like blowing up tanks, helicopters, everything else. He's still just as dangerous, even though his mind is a completely other state. So what he wants to do is uh, he wants to basically try and appeal to Bruce. So what he does is in this state, he's like, listen, man, like I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. I could snuff your feeble flame of your mortal life to the merest twitch of a finger, but I'm also your... friend let me help you bruce let me see your true face so within the dream state still the hulk turns back into bruce banner and he looks at him and he's like well that's that's what she said so you're a sexy tall silver lady and, uh, you know, he starts talking to Steven. He's like, listen, her, her name was Saira, and I can hear her voice all the time. And we see some beautiful flashback work. Of, hey, we missed we missed everything. a really good. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin the moment. Ah, it's the moment. I did it. Yeah, he says, uh, he says, show me your true face. And right before he transforms into Bruce Banner and Bruce is like, that's that's what she said. Channeling my Michael Scott. He didn't say it like that. He said it much more somberly. Yeah, but but basically, you know, Strange has him in this weakened state. He's like, Bruce, I agreed with Tony and Reed and Black Bolt that you were too dangerous for this planet. I let them trick you into that shuttle and shoot you into space. But, you know, we had nothing to do with that explosion or the death of all these people. I mean, how long have we known each other? How many battles have we fought side by side? I mean, look at me, man, and tell me I'm lying. And we see Bruce is crying, and Steven thinks that he's actually made a breakthrough and he can stop all this. So... He, what he does is he transfers a physical essence into the dream state. So he's no longer in his astral state. Bruce takes his hand as Stephen is, is lifting him up and he's he whispers, I've got you. And Stephen is like, uh, what? And he's like, I've got you. And at this point, Stephen's like, oh, no, he has me physically pulled. So what ends up happening is the Hulk literally pulls his physical being out of the dream state into the Sanctum Santorum and in another beautiful John Romeo Jr. splash page crushes Dr. Strange's hands. And for Dr. Strange, that that's about that's about as personal as you can get with Dr. Strange, because uh, for those that know his origin, uh, you know, he first sought out the mystical upon losing the use of his hands, uh, which he formerly used as a surgeon. That's where the doctor comes from. And uh, so, yeah, this is going right back to his origin. Uh, Bruce crushing those hands. Yeah. And he tosses him aside like a 
Raggedy Ann's all, and he's jumping and destroying tanks and helicopters. And finally, he sees uh, he sees Ross and one of the choppers jumps up to Ross as Ross is trying to like shoot him in the face with a with with, with an with an M60, and he pulls out his pistol and he's like, "I'm just gonna freaking keep shooting and shooting." And he shoots him in the eye, and that's not enough. So as they're falling from the sky, they land, and it's not stated. But it is confirmed here, quote unquote, that the Hulk has killed General Ross. I don't know why the that. The <laughs> I was like, <laughs> where, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that that was uh, that was General Ross's uh, the, the song that played to his death. I don't know why. California. Don't don't ask me why that song came into my head, but it did. Uh, that's what that's the song that would play if this took place on Dawson's Creek which apparently it does in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so Maria Hill is in Washington, D.C. with George W. Bush, and she's like, Ross is down. There's only I, I one do, option I left. I how, how Marvel always addresses the who the president is. This is pretty consistent over the years. They always show you a, a version of the president that pretty much looks like whoever the current president is, but they never name the president. So they so they, they never go that far. So people can be like, that's not what he's really like, but they always make it like, so it's pretty damn obvious. Like this is clearly George Bush in later years. It's clearly Obama, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Although, I, I don't know if they ever did that with Trump. I feel like he was like, we're not going to acknowledge. We're not going to acknowledge they this was guy was the president. Yeah. Throughout the entire Trump administration, they mentioned him in two comics. They mentioned him in an issue of, I think it was Spider-Man. Then they mentioned him in an issue of, uh, uh, Jack Kirby's The Black Racer, and it's not it's not nice. Um, but speaking of not nice, Maria Hill is like, hey, you know, Ross is down. There's only one option left. What does George W. Bush say? He's like, what, nukes? And he's like, no, sir. Every scientist on the payroll says that would only make the Hulk stronger. It's time to, a he- to appeal to a higher power. To which they're basically beginning to call down uh, the century, and they're like, hey, man, this is your president speaking. I've got a job for you. The heroes need your help. Uh, you know, they're your friends and they believe in you just like I do. And it's time to sign, Shun. Uh, hey, Bob, you, you still there? And, and then they all start Bobby, talking. Bobby. And, and basically, um, you know, they're like, oh, come on, man. It's time to shake that schizo act and do what needs to be done. Now let's go. So. <laughs> And he's like, first of all, this is not an act. I am completely insane. (laughs) And there's just silence. So Bush thinks that he's ignoring him. So then he's like, we're fucked. (laughs) Literally, they say we're fucked. And uh, we're we're back to, I think it's Yankee Stadium. I guess we're not going to be doing that uh, mission accomplished thing today. (laughs) Our nuclear option is off the table. Oh, they're in Madison Square Garden. So not Yankee Stadium. They're in Madison Square Garden, which the Hulk is turning into basically his gladiator lair for now. And uh, what you see is a bunch of hippies show up and they're holding signs that are like, Hulk it up, take down the man, all this other stuff. So the Hulk is like, yeah. I got really hippies. <laughs> they're really hippies if they're following the the Hulk and the Warbound. I don't know. Yeah, because they're against the man, man. So they'll go, they'll go for any other man who's against the man until that man becomes the man. All right, man. Whatever you say, man. Yeah. So at this point, um, you know, uh, you got the new Avengers there surrounding the Sanctum Sictorum, trying to defend what they have left, and the Warbounds go over. And I mean, what I like are, how it's I like how it's a, a Starbucks. 
It's, it was a great disguise. Yeah. It says another neighborhood Starbucks coming soon because he can't let people know that this is where the new Avengers are hiding out. But it's also like the new Avengers. They can't really do much. Like they're there for more like moral support. Iron Fist, Ronan, Echo. They go yeah, out. Is, with This is not the Avengers best. <laughs> yeah. So they basically get their asses kicked. And then what the Hulk does, he sends out his death head bodyguards to go ahead and take him out. So basically the Hulk has been able to kidnap and take everybody to Madison Square Garden. He's chilling out so much. He's built himself a throne and he's brought uh, Rick. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rick Jones to basically be like his pet. So, you know, things are not going good for anybody at this point. And what's uh, what, what's going to end up happening? There's going to end up fighting. But before that happens, Dr. Strange, who has been in multiple dimensions trying to buy some time with him and Wong, uh, what he ends up doing is he ends up pulling out the strength of the demon. Um, uh, what's a, what's his name? Giant flame face Dormammu. Basically, he merges with the essence of Dormammu to basically become giant super strange with like mace hands and a flaming head. And he shows up in Madison Square Garden and he's like strange smash. And that is the end of issue three. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that I was not expecting at all. But it really just goes to show that these heroes are. And I think the line between hero and villain is is kind of uh, you know it's it's not necessarily very clear in this series because you know I guess I guess in a sense Hulk is like the villain in the sense that he is the one invading Earth. But understanding the full context of the story and everything that was done to him, he's he's definitely not a traditional villain in, in any, any way, shape, or form here. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, just to see that Doctor Strange is going to is willing to go as far as to merge, it's like somehow physically merge with Dormammu, and I, I, his mace hands are badass. <laughs> yeah. those, 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 oh, real again, fast! I just found yeah. out the demon is not Dormammu because oh. Dormammu doesn't have mace hands. He's he's channeled the extra dimensional demon named Zom, who's known for his flaming head and mace hands making manhattan literally hell on earth well it's an awesome way to end the issue no matter what demon this is yeah so we start issue four george bush is literally flying around new york and he's like get me a little bit closer and everyone's like no and they're like hey what's up with strange at this point they're like strange has somehow been able to merge with a demon named zom he's not dormammu because zom has mace hands and dormammu doesn't common misconception amongst demons and basically we need to get all the time we need to get the hell out of manhattan like didn't they have iphones in 2005 2006 oh wait no i corrected myself they didn't so it's not like they were just coming out in like 06, 07. Uh, so George Bush knows as much about what's going on in Manhattan as he did about Iraq. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we've got Hiram, uh, uh, Hiram, the one of the warbound fighting Strange, and Hulk is fighting Strange, and they're at this point where it's like Strange is getting so pumped up with this demon he he basically turns Hiram's arm to stone and he breaks it off so now the other warbound jump in and they're trying to fight him and at this point Hulk is like yeah you know I can't let him kill my entire warbound so he jumps in and without even a flinch strange basically mace fists Hulk right in the stomach and these next couple splash pages like what I love about Ramita Jr. is he's not afraid of blood and this green blood just flying everywhere it's Indeed. it's harsh the green blood flying anywhere is, is a, everywhere is, is, a, is a hell of an effect and I really do love like throughout all these uh, issues 
I think John Romita's use of the splash page, it, it, they're done sparse enough. Maybe there's like maybe two per issue, but they're all awesome. And they're all just like perfectly used. Like the one splash page where uh, Demon Strange is is do, giving like a big mace uppercut to uh, to the Hulk. That's just awesome. Like, I, I want that. I want that poster. Um, but yeah, I mean, ev- everything about this scene, it continues to show about this battle, continues to show the heroes get more and more desperate. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it really build, continues to build up uh, this the the kind of the length that they have to go to to even try to make any headway with the Hulk here. I mean, they're they're barely nicking this guy still at this point. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's really just it's a phenomenal battle. It's it's kind of like a I think it's like a basically a five issue long battle we're getting here, and just gets more and more intense as we go along. Yeah. And what makes things even cooler is like for the next six pages, it's just him and Demon Strange, Zom Strange, just beating the living shit out of each other. And at one point, Demon Strange accidentally almost kills a whole bunch of, you know, Hulk's new hippie crowd. You know, his groupies calling him the Green King. And Hulk actually does what no one expects him to do. He actually saves them for a second. And, uh, you know, he gets Strange down and he's like, oh, what? Now now you're going to start attacking just regular people. So it's just there's a whole page of him just punching him and punching him and punching him it's like a it's like it's like mike tyson with no restraints it's just constant bashing in his face at this point rick rick jones comes over and he's like man like like what are you doing you can't just you can't just kill this guy and i mean you save those people you try to ruin your image you got to do what you got to do but remember you're not just the hulk you're not just the guy that destroys things you're also banner the guy who stuck his neck out to save me so he's alluding to hulk issue one and he's like listen man you are banner so don't just be the to be the brute, be the brain and understand what you're really trying to do right here. Cause I'm on your side, man, but you're, you're going to make things worse without intentionally wanting to do so. So what does he does? What does he do? He takes Rick's advice, punches strange in the face one more time, draining him of all his um, mace hand energy. And he goes ahead and drags him back to Madison square garden where he's got obedience discs uh, on all of the heroes. And they just look like shit right now. It's not a good day. And what they're going to do is they're going to force the Illuminati who they've been able to capture. Uh, Black Bolt is muzzled. Uh, Mr. Fantastic is in a state of being in like part elastic state, part normal state. Uh, Iron Man has apparently had his extremist capability disabled. And Doctor Strange's hands are broken again. So what are they going to do? They're going to have to fight each other. Them hands have been through a lot. I'll tell you that. And speaking of going through a lot, this is what was really like, this is actually one of my favorite moments because it really shows the side of the Marvel universe from the human side. Remember all those hippies showing up to support them. And it's not just them. It's also regular people. And what they have, what the Warbound have done is they found people willing to speak out and basically speak against the crimes of the Illuminati. And we meet this one woman first who steps up to the stage in Madison Square Garden gladiatorial arena. My name is Clorinda Roberts, and I'm here to speak about Black Bolt. Last month, my husband retired for the first time in 20 years, and I got to go to the opera house with him. You probably saw what happened on television. Black Bolt's people came and declared war on America, and they tore my husband's head off. I know what Black Bolt would say. It was a mistake. Those weren't his orders, but I don't care. My husband is dead, and I want that man to pay. Damn. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, and they do this for all the all of them. I like the next one too when they uh, they bring in the this guy who is Tom uh, Foster. Bill, yeah, who is? Oh, uh, read that uncle. part. 
Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll just be, I'll play the part of Tom Foster. My name's Tom Foster. My uncle was Bill Foster. You probably knew him as Goliath. And if you're an MCU fan, you probably know him as Bill Foster because he never became Goliath, but he was uh, the the antagonist, essentially, of uh, Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. <clears throat> uh, he took the rebel side during the superheroes Civil War because he knew better than to trust anyone who throws in with the government. I like this man. guy. I like this guy too. Tony Stark and Reed Richards cloned Thor, cloned a god, and used him to kill my uncle. And this this is referencing they had this. Uh, I think it was called Ragnarok. That was this, this Thor of clone. That, yes, this, this Thor of clone. <laughs> this this clone of <laughs> Thor that they were that was uh, running around uh, during Civil War, uh, killing people. So yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, these are, these testimonials are pretty damning. You know? <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, he finishes off. He's like, they talk about law, but their law only seems to apply to people like you and me. I'm ready for the Hulk's law, and that is some deep shit. And then they're like, oh, remember what happened 20 minutes ago? Let's bring on this hippie. Doctor Strange <laughs> dances with the devil. He drank the soul of a demon and nearly killed us all. And then you see a flashback of them all running from demon mace hand Zomstrange. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what? They make some pretty credible points. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they he got some good witnesses here. What, what can I say? They really did their research. Yeah. So then what ends up happening is the Hulk is going to go ahead and put them through trial by combat. They go ahead and release this giant alien thing that looks like the thing that Han Solo is smuggling from Star Wars The Force Awakens. And you see all the heroes trying to fight it, but without the use of their power. So so like Mr. Fantastic can like move and stuff, but he doesn't have his strength. And, you know, Strange has broken hands and Tony can't do shit and Black Bolt is just literally useless. So what uh, what they end up having to do is basically grabbing other weapons provided by the Warbound and having to beat this thing without powers. I don't know what else to say. Like it's it's just one of the scenes where it's like this is just this is just Ramita Junior asking Pack like let me do some violent alien shit. Yeah, I mean the only part I find well not the only part it's comics the whole thing's ridiculous but <laughs> the fact that these four defeated this creature without powers is is kind of absurd too. But you know it is what it is. They're heroes, so they do things like this. Yeah, uh, overcome. I, I did like the line too. Um, he's saying like uh, the Hulk crushed my hands. This is Doctor Strange like the Hulk crushed my hands. I, I need my hands for my spells. My spells won't. And then he's getting squeezed by this creature, and the and the Hulk finishes the sentence. He's like, and I thought of you the whole time. <laughs> this is a this is a twisted Hulk, but yeah. a justified Hulk. Like that. That's why this is like you know not not to literally justify his actions here, but um you know this is not the Hulk as as a villainous villain, it's a Hulk with a purpose. And they even show you like when he protects those people that were like his followers, like he's not here just causing random death and destruction or anything. He's here specifically trying to get justice for what was done to him. Yeah. And at this point, you know, he's just going to keep screwing around with their heads and everything. He's shocking them with the obedience discs and stuff. And he's like, you know, we're just going to keep going until I feel like we're done. Uh, Meanwhile, in Northern Vermont, we see uh, the president land with a bunch of other soldiers, and they're just waiting for the sentry to come out, who's apparently been just standing at his front door looking out the entire time. So they're <laughs> like, come on, man, we need the sentry, the Golden Guardian. He's the only one power enough to do anything. So then they're like, sir, you know, Mr. President, he's an agoraphobic schizophrenic who spent the past 29 hours standing in his doorway. 
And at this point, you know, they're, they're trying to convince him to come out. But what you see is that the sentry is kind of having a conversation in his head. And this is a flashback now over to his conversation with Iron Man, where he's basically saying, like, listen, man, I don't know what to tell you, Bob. You're probably right. You probably are too dangerous for this. But, like, billions could die. You have a responsibility whether you want it or not. I know you're not ready to hear this, Robert. No person really ever is. But it's time to blame God. So so after like 29 hours of the century replaying this conversation in his head and shit, he eventually decides to go fight the Hulk. Meanwhile, what's going on? You've got uh, the Illuminati who are forced to now fight each other. Black Bolt and Doctor Strange have basically almost killed each other while Tony and Reed are basically like fumbling around while they can, getting shocked by their discs, being forced to fight each other. Seeing seeing Mr. Fantastic holding a giant mace trying to kill an unarmored Tony Stark is one of the most metal things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah. But we keep going, and they're about to go ahead and land the kill shot, and the Hulk is manipulating the disc to make Reed even more like enraged, and Reed looks like a brute, and he's like, no, don't make me do this. So then the Hulk basically says stop, and Meat comes over, and he's like, Green King, what did you say? And uh, he's just waiting. He's like, stop. I'm going to go ahead and uh, put a thumbs up saying that he lives or thumbs down saying that he dies. So the sentry turns around. I'm sorry. No, he, he doesn't turn around. He's listening to his TV, which is showing what's going on. Mass and square garden. Rick Jones is in the guard is in the stadium, just staring like in horror of what has come from all this. And then at this point, uh, the Hulk puts his thumbs down. He's going to go ahead and have them all kill each other. At this point, the sentry flies out and he's like, it's time to play God. And that ends issue four. Yeah, this is where it's like we we understand why the Hulk is doing what he's doing, and he's seemingly justified in a sense, but he is really acting just like and maybe this comes full circle. And I haven't read Planet Hulk, but it seems like he is acting very much like the Red King was with him before on the planet uh, where Basically. he gets to be the judge. He gets to play God. He gets to give the thumbs up or thumbs down and Hulk is giving the thumbs down here. So um, I-, I love the nuance of the character too. Be- and this is the true of the Hulk always. The Hulk is never necessarily a straight up hero or a straight up villain. He's always been a shades of gray character. And, you know, it might be hard to see this as shades of gray, but because we know the whole backstory and because these heroes are, in quotes, I guess, in, in this instance, uh, because they are the ones that did this to him. You know, it, even though we see that he's doing these these sort of villainous things, he's doing it in a targeted way, and we understand why because of everything that was done to him. So there's almost no heroes in in this in this story because everyone's kind of like we have the Hulk who's acting kind of villainous, but he's doing so in response to what these heroes did to him, who were also acting kind of villainous, even though they thought they were doing the right thing. But isn't that what every villain thinks they're doing anyway? Absolutely. But that's where this makes the whole story even more complicated. We jump in issue five. We're back at the arena. The Hulk has put his thumbs down. Reed Richards is about to mace Tony Stark in the face, in the face. And what happens? The obedience discs are disabled. 
Reed drops the mace and he's freaking out. He's like, Tony, what'd you do, man? You did it. And Tony's like, man, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have done anything. Like I could barely get through my disc, nonetheless yours. So then everyone's looking around. They're like, what just happened? What, why, why isn't he dead? How, why the discs get disabled? And then that's when Rick Jones is like, it was him. And we go to the Hulk and everyone is like, what, why, why do they live? As Meek is screeching in his alien screech. And Rick Jones is like, because you don't know the real Hulk, Meek. And Hulk looks over to him and he's like, and you think you do? So the Hulk jumps over to the, I'm sorry, walks over to the Illuminati and he's like, remember this puny humans, we came here for justice, not murder. So no one on your planet has died by our hands and no one will, but we'll make sure no one on earth will ever forget what you are. And we see each of the Illuminati just bloodied and beaten and they're like liars traitors and killers and now we'll raise this city to your ground and leave you to your shame um at this point tony looks at him as if he hasn't heard anything the hulk just said and he's like (laughs) man we've tried to explain again and again but you don't listen so this is your last chance to surrender. So he's like, what What are you talking about? And then we look up to the giant stone ship and we see that it has been blown up by something. Hulk and the Warbound turned around and they're like, what the hell has happened? Half the ship lands in the Madison Square Garden. And who do we see in a giant uh, JR, JR splash page? The Sentry looking mean as that can, as he can be. And he's like, hello, old friend. So he basically starts this giant like I can equate this only to a Superman versus Doomsday fight. I think you could see a lot of the panel inspiration from that. Sure. And uh, he crushed, he, he blows the Hulk through Madison Square Garden and through like a dozen buildings. And as they're in the rubble somewhere, the Hulk is like, you don't want this fight, Sentry. And the Sentry's like, yes, God help me, I do, because you're the only one I can hit like this. And he's just letting out all his strength. It's a giant fight. And they're just like, it, it remind this part now reminds me of like uh, Zod versus Superman, Man of Steel, where they're just like flying, basically like flying and hitting rooftops and going through buildings and everything else. Like it's it's a be- it, it's weird that I say this. It's a beautiful fight scene. It really is. And at this point, the Hulk is screaming. He's like Stark, Richards, all of you. And you see the heroes trying to save as many people as they can from the crumbling buildings. And they're like, never, never forget what happens next is on your head. So him and Sentry, they like match each other fist for fist and cause this giant explosion in another building. They end up beating each other up so hard. Like I love the, uh, the, the fake word they use to the, for this like boom that happens. It's just, I'm just going to read the letters V J J J W O M M M W M V B B. Like it is, this is comic book goodness, just straight up comic book goodness. I, I want to point out here, too. Um, I noticed who the and I, I, it's so distinctive that I could tell even even without having seen the credits. But the letterer, it's not very often you recognize the letterer of a book. But the, the letterer of this of this book is uh, Chris Eliopoulos, who I recognize because he was the letterer of uh, Savage Dragon for like ah. decades. And his lettering is really so distinctive, especially in those, you know, when we get out of the world balloons and we see like 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 sounds and this sort of thing. That's all him. And that it's very it's a very distinctive style that I recognize from his work on Savage Dragon. So I just just wanted to point that out that that is interesting. Only here, folks, only here do you get that. 
But uh, but anyway, I mean, the fight continues. For Literally, this might be the only podcast where you see it, where a host recognizes <laughs> uh, the le- the letterer from Savage Dragon specifically. Uh, for for just like six pages, the Hulk and you know Sentry are just taunting each other, beating the shit out of each other, and right at the point where they think that the Hulk and the Sentry fighting each other will actually break the Earth, they end up hitting each other at a point where they actually drain each other of each other's force. So you see the Sentry revert back to Ronald Reynolds and you see the Hulk revert back to Bruce Banner. And now they're just a bunch of, you know, kind of meek looking white guys in rags beating the shit, bleeding all over each other. But here's the crazy thing. While the sentry goes down and he's just like, I'm done. And he's just like face first in the ground. You see all the other heroes staring at Bruce and they're like, oh, what's going on, Bruce? Bruce turns around, his eyes glowing green and he smiles and at this point, they're like, uh, what just happened? And what happened is, is that the Hulk has basically agreed, like, all this vengeance, all this rage is going to do nothing but kill more people. And the Hulk, while he may have wanted to murder them a few minutes ago through this fight and through everything, he's just basically like, you know what? This has to end. So he turns over to his friend, Rick Jones, and Rick is like, Bruce, welcome home. Well, Meek can't handle that. So Meek grabs a spear and he's going to go stab Bruce to try and get the Hulk to come out. He's like, come back to us, Hulk. Rick Jones pushes Bruce out of the way and gets killed by Meek, who is still screaming, come back to us. And at this point, you know, Meek is standing there pretty happy. He's like, come back. And what ends up happening? The Hulk comes back. All right. He starts murdering Meek to which, you know, Hiram and the other warbound like Korg are coming out. They're like, Hulk, no, we are warbound. We stand with each other. So he beats the shit out of them and tosses them aside. That's when Brood comes over and he's like, Hulk, wait, Meek was your first friend. You can't. And, And while Meek is on the ground. He's like, no, Rick was his first. So he can and he will. And before he can finish that, the Hulk. That's, uh, yeah, that's Korg, I think, as Hulk's beating Korg into the ground. Oh, no, that that's 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 Meek. Oh, no, it is Meek. You're it right. Is yeah, Meek. I didn't see it. It's the other side of him. The <laughs> Hulk grabs. I'm sorry. The Hulk picks up his foot and he slams it through Meek. And then. He just starts like ripping him apart. He's like punching holes into Meek. Like this is one of the most brutal murders I've ever seen in, in a story. And like the other Warbounder, like they're horrified. They're just trying to bring him back. But that's when it really comes down to this. And Meek is like, come on, just keep doing this. This is what you were made for. It's like he's getting some satisfaction out of it. So much so that he makes a confession as Meek's hard shell and all of him is just basically all over the place. He's still alive for some reason. He's like, that's what you taught me. That's why I killed them. And that's why you'll kill me. And the Hulk is like, what? And he's like, <laughs> uh, you always forget. Like when you found your queen and all you wanted was peace, but that's not who you are. You conquered Sakaar, killed the Red King. We should have slaughtered his people, but you let them live. So I watched them load the old warp core onto that shuttle. They thought it would kill you, but I knew it would just remind you of who you are. So basically what Korg is basically saying is he let some uh, some of the Red King's people become insurgents and load the core of the ship that the Illuminati sent them over, kill, and, which ended up causing the explosion, which killed everyone on Sakaar. So now everyone is just like, Meek, are you saying you killed everybody? So they all take their turns, and 
and then Brood comes out and he's like, children, you murdered children, your own brother's hivelings, a million souls. And you see like Brood, he's just like hacking him. And it's just like, man, Meek is Meek is fucked up. And he's still talking. I, I, I think Meek to me, Meek looks like this, like a giant twisted cockroach creature. So maybe that explains why he lives for so, so long during this beatdown. Why he lives for so long during this beatdown? Because uh, yeah, cockroaches are hard to kill. Yeah. So speaking of which, hard to kill. Now, now he's in full Hulk mode. He's in the Warbreaker mode. This is part of a prophecy of the war of the Worldbreaker uh, that we, they talk about in Planet Hulk. So basically, the Hulk is channeling all the gamma radiation from Earth, and he's going to basically crack the Earth in half. Tony Stark has one trick up his sleeve. He basically has this giant weapons array in space because he's Tony Stark. And what he does, he has them shoots down a tracking beam. So it's going to follow Tony Stark, and when it gets to a certain point it's going to go ahead and put out a giant laser so we see tony without his armor he's just running as all the satellites are getting together and he's running towards the hulk he hits the hulk's location and then he's like okay go and it shoots down this giant laser that they think is going to go ahead and kill him but it doesn't while it stops the hulk it keeps bruce banner seemingly alive in the ground with his eyes open in a state of, we, we don't know if he's comatose or what's going on, but basically the fight is over. The stone ship is destroyed. Meek has been basically tacked and cut up and killed. <laughs> the warbound are arrested. And now the heroes only have a few more hours left until this 24 hour truce is finally over. So we see, uh, you know, we, we, we basically see an epilogue where they're in the Mojave desert and we see this red light come over Bruce Banner's like cage, which is alluding to the coming of the Red Hulk. And then on the remains of the planet Sakaar, we see this giant Hulk like being crawling out of the mud. We see the outline of uh, Sierra Sierra's face, you know, giant, sexy silver lady. And uh, what we're supposed to assume is that somehow in some way, that giant green creature that's somehow alive on the remnants of Sakaar is possibly related to the Hulk and to the Hulk and his late queen, and that is where the story ends. Yeah, the uh, the ending is what I didn't get. Um, maybe you can explain a couple things to me. So the red coming into where they're holding Bruce Banner—that's referencing the Red Hulk. I was under the impression. Now I've never read anything with the Red Hulk. I've only learned about it after the fact. So you, maybe you can can uh, get me up to speed here. Is the Red Hulk not? General Thunderbolt Ross trying to turn into a Hulk? Is that it is, but they didn't want you to know that at the time. So it's like a slight Easter egg because they had oh, so already this is like the genesis of that. This hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Well, they, okay. they had part, they had start what it was bad. I hate it when Marvel does this. Marvel does this worse than anyone else. They started soliciting a lot of the red Hulk stuff during world war Hulk. So they told you after this, there is a red Hulk coming. So that was that they were also uh, promoting an upcoming series called scar son of Hulk. And that's who you see at the end of it. It's Scar, who is the son of Bruce Banner, Hulk and Sayera. So they were basically they used the last page to promote the upcoming Hulk series, which focused on the Red Hulk and then Scar, son of Hulk. All right. Well, makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, as much sense as these things can make, I should say. I mean, they're all good stories. But like after this, it was kind of, you know, other than like a mortal Hulk, like this is really where my 
love with the Hulk kind of reached its natural end because I haven't found a series since then that has been able to, you know, infatuate me as much. I read the Red Hulk series. I've got it. I liked it, but like they're all good. They're not at this level. They all go go down because the high was so high. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And this was again, this is a story that I I knew about. I knew it existed. I knew the the gist of it, but I never actually sat down and read it. So it was nice to uh, to fill in that gap a little bit and see how this actually all went down. And um, I guess I'm looking forward to finding out how we got from this point to current Hulk. Because basically my my Hulk knowledge stops here and starts again at Immortal Hulk <laughs> in, in terms of modern Hulk. Ooh, you got a lot. You got a lot right there. Uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and throw out my ratings for the art. I love JRJR. John Romita Jr. is one of my favorites. But there are certain parts where I feel like the art sometimes overtakes the story. I feel like a lot of writers are intimidated by him. Uh, it's good art, but it's uh, purely an art book. I'm going to say uh, for art, it's, it's a four out of five. It's it's good. It, it's some great showcase work for John Romita Jr. I have seen him do better in other situations than this, but there were some really good scenes. It's good. I'm going to give it a four out of five for story. You know, this was a this was a this was a fight book. I mean, ultimately, it really was. Well, I had a lot of really good moments it is ultimately a fight book. Is it good for new readers? No, uh, I'd say it has enough interesting elements to bring in new readers. This is around the time that I was reading Hulk. So I was certainly interested in the concepts and everything, but I I was also catching up on civil war and all this other stuff. I was really confused. So for new readers, I don't think it was great. I think it was epic fan service though, for big Marvel fans. So for that, I'm going to go ahead and give the, the, the story a three. So overall, my score out of 10 is going to be a seven out of 10. Interesting. I thought you would be a little higher on this one myself. Um, so why don't I just go, let me think, uh, as always, I don't score this. I score these live. So, uh, I'll just start with the art cause that's easier for me. Uh, I, I, I'm a big JRJR fan as you are. And I really enjoyed the art here. Is it his finest work? No, but it's, it's excellent. It's, it's very well done. It's, uh, enough for me to give, let's say a four out of five on the art. And then story-wise, man, I think I'm, Hmm. It's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, conundrums where I feel like I should rate something higher than you. Uh, or like, I don't, I feel like you should be rating it higher than me. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? So it feels, it would feel odd for me to rate things, rate the story higher than you did. Uh, but I also should not shape my, my scores based on what I think you should rate something. If that makes any sense. Thank you for uh, not judging said, me, Mark. That being said, I think I'm going to rate it exactly the same. As you. <laughs> I, 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 I think this story is, it, well, I know I'm going to give it a three, five. I'm going to give it a 3.5 for the writing because I do, I do think that it is like, to me, a three is barely above average, you know, because a 2.5 would be like an average out of five. So I think this is more than just barely above average. I found the, you know, while while so much of the action is driven by the art and it's it's very much an action centric uh, piece, I think the story itself that it tells to get you there is actually really well done. Uh, I think we we come to understand every everything that's happening here. We understand these different elements at play. Uh, we understand why the Hulk is both a victim as well as a perpetrator uh, of, the, of what's going on in the story. And uh, the Hulk is a very complicated character and they do the Greg Pak does a really good job of, of helping us understand the the complications of this character uh throughout this story and there, there's different elements like I didn't understand going into this anyway uh the deal with century because my mind was wiped over the 50 years of his of his existence prior to this apparently but I did think they did a really good job of I mean if you just told me five issues of Hulk battling heroes I would think that that would get boring after issue two and it really never does because it keeps escalating they keep having to find new ways to try Mom. 
man, giant Doctor Strange, Zom Mace hands. Exactly. That was badass. <laughs> and, and that's why I can't keep it confined to a simple three. I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I because I, I think they that Greg Pak brought in a lot of unique elements into this story that really kept it moving uh, from what could have easily been just like a one-shot issue if they kept it more simple to uh, but they stretched it out to this five-issue series but it never felt stretched out and that's so that I have to compliment the writing for that one so I'm going to give it a 3.5 so I'm going to give the whole thing overall a 7.5 I'm rating a Remzo classic higher than Remzo himself. What do you think of that? You only here folks only here uh, just some notes, like as I'm really trying to think about, because what I was trying to really think, what, why did I give uh, Ramita Jr.'s work a four out of five and not a five? I don't like how he draws women. I think he draws women to look like men, and I don't think he does that intentionally. It's just his style. I think that's something that he's gotten better with over time. Like I remember I, I started jumping into The Amazing Spider-Man when he was uh, drawing it. And, uh, you know, he draws women in a, in a way in which they look more feminine. Whereas I look at this and stuff prior to this and the women from certain angles and from certain poses, they look like men, like she Hulk in certain poses looks like, um, look, looks like a dude, you know, with long hair and stuff. So it's like, I don't like how he draws women in a way that looks too much like men. I think it somewhat kind of distorts the the whole look of certain characters i'm not i'm not a fan of how he did that i think he's gotten better over time so if we rated a later ramia jr piece where he's drawing a female character it would totally be different but this definitely is one of those moments where i'm like oh yeah this is why one reason i didn't like him he didn't make them look as awesome and powerful and hot as i think they should be and uh you know one thing that i really loved about the series i had not i actually collected the last two issues of world war hulk as it was going on i picked up the graphic novel a few years later though i was able We'll read the other stuff over the next couple of years through friends of mine who had the full run but the crossovers for this were a lot of fun uh some that really stand out to me were uh the crossover of the punisher and the crossover of ghost rider those were really great kind of side stories and i think world war hulk for me actually has some of the best crossover uh, in other titles that i remember there were even a few limited series like world war hulk x-men and stuff and i mean i, I remember really getting a kick out of those so even though i kind of read everything a little bit out of order over a couple of years uh you know it just i look back at this and i had a lot of fun reading the story yeah it's definitely fun that that's definitely uh that's definitely true throughout it never gets boring never gets stale and I'm someone who can get bored by long, uh, drawn-out battle scenes, whether it's in comics or whether it's in movies. Uh, unless it's really cool and really engaging, I'm usually like, all right, let's just get to the story here. Like I've seen enough. But I never felt yeah. that way throughout this, which which does say a lot, uh, both about how the story is laid out writing-wise, but also just, just the art. I mean, the art keeps you so engaged because it's it's John Romita Jr. It's badass. And the the use of those splash pages, I just I just love. I mean, I think I think my favorite panel, that's probably two in the whole thing they're both splash pages one is where is strange smash <laughs> that, that's <just> badass. <laughs> so weird and then, uh, the other one is when the hulk is emerging from the rubble of the the avengers tower just like completely unscathed ready to rock uh, they really convey uh the strength and ferocity of this version of the hulk uh, and they make it clear this is the this is the most dangerous most powerful version of the hulk they make that clear without ever saying it yeah, absolutely um i i will say the last thing is this is one of the reasons why i I, as much as I like Thor Ragnarok, I was so mad that they basically used this in that film because I was always hoping we would get really a very explicit, you know, 
true to the comic World War Hulk movie. And because of all the things of Universal Studios and Marvel Disney, all that stuff, uh, the, the closest thing we got to that was a truncated Planet Hulk in in Thor Ragnarok and since then with the Avengers films you've basically seen that the Hulk is basically done he's gonna make an appearance at the upcoming She-Hulk show on Disney Plus which I am so freaking excited for but this great story will never we'll never see a silver screen sadly no I mean yeah it's already seen as much of one as it will get apparently they kind of smushed it all into uh, Thor Ragnarok so and I think that's a direct result of the fact that they don't have full movie rights to the Hulk so we're never going to get a full movie a full Hulk movie from the from the MCU so they just kind of crammed some of these these stories into other movies yeah it is what it is well Mark that's all I've got anything else that's all I got as well I would just uh, once again emphasize Thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, thank you to those that have been listening with us now. Uh, man, we're 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 rapidly approaching uh, already. I mean, I think we're we're still a few months away, but we're rapidly approaching one year of the Second Print Comics podcast, which is just just mind blowing to me. And uh, just in this short amount of time, we've made new friends through this. Uh, people that have joined our Patreon, I've gotten to know people on there through our monthly gym journey into mystery calls and through act- interacting in the Facebook group. Uh, I'm really proud of the fact that not only do we have a podcast here about something we love about comic books but we've also developed a, a community a great community uh and and that's something you know that that you really can't put a price on um because well i guess you can't put a price five dollars a month <laughs> over <laughs> at patreon.com slash second print pod but uh to me that's that's the most amazing part of the of of doing this show is building this community is giving people an escape somewhere they can get away from the politics from the the covid from everything else that they're seeing that's driving you nuts in life you have your reprieve at least once a week here on the second print comics podcast and a lot more than that if you're on the patreon with all that bonus content that we're putting out uh but no matter what your level of support whether you're a casual fan whether this is your first time or whether you're one of our great uh second print patreon supporters thank you to all of you absolutely and folks over on patreon we've got the show going even after it airs on the public feed we've got remso reyes you've got clears continues we've got the random marvel comics podcast we've got wandavision recaps if you're still catching up on that we've got the falcon and winter soldier recaps if you're on your edge of your seat with us and so much more commercial free early episodes free comics all, all this all this awesome stuff if you can't get enough of the show here we got you covered Sec, uh, patreon.com slash second print pod indeed and uh, until next time I think we just have one final message to impart upon our listeners and that is to read, read comics, comics and change the world change the world good night America Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. 
this was life altering. And if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.